Hi there, my name is Alex Faust and you're listening to Conversations at the Edge. Each week we meet with a top business thought leader to learn what they think we should be prioritizing to build better businesses, positively impact our communities, and scale up. All right. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night, depending on what part of the world you are joining us from. I am Alex Faust, your host of Conversations at the Edge, and I'm very excited to have Mo Fothelbob back and joining us for Conversations at the Edge. If it is your first time learning from Mo, he is the founder and president of Forum Resource Network, LLC, and co-founder of Harvard Business School's Alumni Forums. He's the author of two best-selling books, Forum, The Secret Advantage of Successful Leaders, and The Friendship Advantage, Seven Keys to Building Relationships that Transform Culture and Drive Productivity. Um, But with that, Mo, welcome to Conversations at the Edge, and uh, where are you calling in from today? Alex, thank you. Uh, great to be with you. I'm right at, uh, at home, Alexandria, Virginia. And, you know, the last time you were here with us, we talked about the power of relationships. We talked about building a culture of belonging. Um, and I want to go a little bit deeper on that and talk about some of the activities that foster those deep relationships. And so maybe we could start by just getting some background on your work and, you know, where it stems from for the people in the audience who might not be familiar with you up until today. So my, my uh, introduction to this work came when I was uh, executive director of the Entrepreneurs Organization, EO. And uh, I worked there from 1990 to 1997. And uh, first year, I was associate director. Vern Harnish, for those of you that know Vern, hired me out of college. He was my entrepreneurship professor. And uh, within a year, he quit. And so then I became executive director. But while I was there, we learned about this thing called Forum. And basically, it's a group of roughly eight people who meet every month to help each other with anything and everything in a confidential, structured, non-judgmental environment. So I attended the very first training to learn how to do this in a way that's effective um, as, as, uh, as executive director uh, when YPO offered a program for us to, to finally attend, YPO being the Young President's Organization. And Right away, I just thought this was incredible. I fell in love with it. Uh, I never felt, you know, up until my, my, my tender young age of whatever it was, 23, I never felt such meaningful connection without being judged or attacked or questioned or, or, you know, it was the first time I truly felt like I was in a place where everybody was just being honest, open, real. And uh, that spoke to my heart. So that's when I went on the journey to get this program spread throughout the organization, uh, trained trainers to do it, did a bunch of it myself, and traveled to 30-something countries starting up uh, these peer groups. And uh, that was uh, really my MBA is what I would say, because, uh, you know, certainly you make mistakes along the way and, and uh, nothing like, like learning from experience. Great. Well, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, I know in one of your books, The Friendship Advantage, and we've actually been talking a lot about the new Gallup report that talks about the importance of having a best friend at work. And Mm. I'm sure you're not surprised, but maybe it's surprising for some folks in the audience. But can you talk a little bit about the importance of friendship in the workplace and how that's really impacting things like retention and performance uh, for employees? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I mean, when I started writing this book, and started doing the research to find Gallup, 
you know, that's a credible organization. So it's not my research, it's Gallup saying if you have four, if four out of people have a best friend at work, profitability goes up 15%. So, you know, that's to speak to those people that are very uh, hard edged business driven, you know, who want to, to see ROI and every dollar spent. But I think the benefits are even far bigger than that. So when you feel a connection at work, A, you feel a sense of community and you spend, I don't know, at least 40% of your life at work. It's, it's, a, big, it's a big chunk of our, of our lives. And so to be going to work and not feel a sense of community, in fact, is, is the opposite. That's when you don't feel like you belong, where you don't feel a connection and it's just a job. And that's not fulfilling. And usually when that happens, people don't have tools to have difficult conversations. They talk about each other instead of to each other. And that results in some mistrust, bad feelings, and people then starting to be stressed about work or work being the cause of stress in their lives. But when you learn to have meaningful friendships, and I'm not talking about you know, any casual friendship like somebody you just say hello and goodbye to, when you have meaningful friendships, now you have the opportunity to have real conversations about stuff that matters, whether it's you know good news, whether it's bad news, or whether it's, oh, I don't really know how to do this task. Because not admitting your mistakes or inabilities to do something can cost the company a lot as well. But having a friend at work that makes it so you're happier, you're healthier, everything just flows from there. So an interesting thought just popped into my head. I'm curious if there is a distinction between like friendship and niceness at work, because I think sometimes we think, you know, when you're with, when you're with your friends, sometimes you don't want to have to tell them, you know, the hard truths. And a lot of times in business, we have to deliver those difficult conversations. And how do you do that in, you know, in, I guess I'll just pass it over to you to talk about the difference between, you know, being nice and cordial with people versus having friends where you can have those important, impactful conversations um, to grow and improve. So that is the difference, right? Are you able to have real conversations? Are you able to be yourself? Are you able to speak up when something bothers you, when something isn't working for you? And if you're not, then, you know, the Dalai Lama says holding anger and saying nothing is like drinking poison, hoping the other person will die. And so there is tension that's going to come up. Stuff's going to happen. And the question is, do you have the relationship and the tools that enable you to have these conversations when they come up? So if it's just nice, nice, whether it's with your friends or whether it's with people with whom you work, it's not a real relationship. And so that's the spectrum through which I like to look at it is, can I be real? Can I be honest? Can I be myself? And that doesn't mean I'm going to tell you every little thing about me. There may be some things that are just absolutely inappropriate, but there's still room for vulnerability where people connect as human beings so they can see each other as people without judgment and understanding where they come from. The difficult conversation piece, a lot of people avoid those. You know, I certainly lean towards being a conflict avoider. But after doing this work for so many years, I've realized how important it is to speak up when something isn't right. Because it could simply be my misunderstanding. 
But if I say nothing and I keep misunderstanding, it's only going to drive a bigger wedge with that person. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm curious about when it comes to building impactful relationships and friendships at work, can you talk about the dynamic that is with the power dynamic between potential like managers and employers and are we looking to develop like strong friendship relationships there? And how do you have to kind of manage that when there's a power dynamic, I guess? Yeah. The, that question comes to me often from CEOs who are considering launching a peer group program or even just having a retreat where there's going to be some vulnerability. And some CEOs, certainly the ones who hire us, are comfortable knowing that's an important part and an important step in terms of building the relationships. The CEO himself, he go back to Patrick Lancioni's five dysfunctions of a team, and he talks about building trust as the most important and first rung of the pyramid. And he says, to do that, you have to get to know each other. And to do that, the CEO has to go first. So I get that question, particularly from CEOs. And it kind of comes like this, Alex. It goes, wait a minute, how am I going to fire this person after becoming their friend? if they're not performing. And my answer is, if you're being honest with them along the way, so they're not surprised, hopefully you won't have to fire them. And if you do have to fire them, they've heard your honest assessment of what it is they're not doing effectively for you every step of the way. And then hopefully, hopefully they'll be reasonable to understand that they saw this train coming. This is just, it's just not working out. In the meantime, we could still be friends. Being friends doesn't mean I'm going to suffer that you aren't able to perform something. Yeah, I think that's, that's important to, to, to note and to realize. So what are some other things that leaders often get wrong when they're trying to build these strong personal relationships and at the same time demand this excellence from their people? You know... One of the things I see is when the leaders think they're actually uh, delegating authority and then they don't. So some leaders are much better at giving their, uh, their, their, their people the rope, so to speak, to let them run. And some really struggle with it. And so when we have these honest conversations and people say to the leader, hey, you're micromanaging me. If the leader's not able to make that change and to give them that space, they're gonna feel suffocated and then they just may not stick around. So that is one thing that I see that also I would say can be a limit for how companies scale. If you're not able to delegate, then you're limited by the person who's, who's kind of the bottleneck. And that, that's, uh, that's a problem for scaling up as it were. Yeah. Interesting. So what are some of the other like impactful activities that you kind of encourage organizations do to build these, these kind of relationships? So I'll give you an example. I mean, when we first start with a client on this kind of a, of a project, we always do a survey. And the survey is to all the participants because A, we want their input and B, we want their buy-in from the start. And so after we've gotten this information, and there are questions like, how would you rate the level of trust? How would you rate the quality of relationships? How effectively 
Do you handle difficult situations when they come up? And do you speak directly to the people with whom you have these issues? And do you think they speak directly to you? So we're really assessing the culture of the communication in the organization. And more than often than not, you know, these questions don't come out, you know, squeaky clean, right? Which is why somebody engaged us in the first place. And so then once we begin the session, we have to set the container. How do we agree to work together? What are the guidelines for how we are going to communicate today? And they're not my guidelines, it's the group's guidelines. So, you know, they'll, they'll say things like confidentiality, they'll say things like non-judgment, they'll say things like, listen, they'll say things like, have fun. You know what, this doesn't have to be painful. Uh, but we'll make a list and that list becomes the guiding principles for how we're going to operate. And I think that's an important piece of buying. Um, I also think it's critical to get people to express their hopes so they hear each other. Because sometimes somebody, maybe even the CEO, thinks, well, that issue doesn't exist. And the survey may not even be enough to convince them. But when they hear it spoken in the room, it becomes undeniable. Now it's, it's real, it's been said. Uh, so again, that's continuing the building and the buying in process. And that's important. Um, after just, that, yeah. Mo, I'm just curious if you can, you can go a little bit deeper on that. You mentioned, you know, you want the, the room to express their hopes. And then the CEO feels like there's might not be a problem that exists. Can you talk mm -hmm. about how the hopes might shine light on the problems just for clarity's sake? Yeah. So one example uh, that somebody might say in their hopes is we have two new uh, employees on this executive team and we don't know them yet. And I hope to build a relationship with them. So that might be an example. Another example might be, I hope we have tools to address our difficult issues because we have some conversations we've been avoiding. So those are some examples of things that might come up. Okay, thank and you. there are many more examples, but those are just two quick ones for you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So continuing, uh, next thing is to do some sort of activity to break the ice. Something sometimes, you know, easy, sometimes difficult. It depends on, you know, the level of the group's uh, advancement and, and how well I know them. Uh, but let's just say it's the first engagement. I like to break the ice with something uh, like, like stand up if this is true for you or if that's true for you. And it helps people get to know each other really quickly. So it could be stand up if you're the oldest of your siblings or if you're the youngest or if you were kicked out of school or if you were an athlete in school, or if you've ever been arrested. So some fun stuff, some meaningful stuff. It gets people engaged, it gets their blood flowing, gets them laughing. It gets them to feel some emotions, because I might also ask, stand up if you've come from a divorced household. And that gets, that gets people you know, to think about things that maybe they avoid talking about or avoid sharing. And visually, you could see in the room who, has had similar experiences to you. So there's a connection already. Uh, so then another thing I might do is have people tell their life story. Again, it depends on the size of the group, but 10 minutes, tell your life story. That made you who you are today. And so now people really understand each other. And that's just a powerful thing. Uh, before that, I might talk about vulnerability and, and its importance. Um, and again, I don't just preach, I ask the group, 
What does it mean to you? And then I ask the group, so why be vulnerable? And inevitably, somebody says, well, that's how you grow. And somebody else says, well, to unburden yourself. And somebody else says, to connect. How do you connect if you don't actually share your truth? Um, and so people share these things, and it becomes obvious to the whole room why we're doing what we're going to do. And then the most important thing after all that is, is the clearing the air, the kind truth, how to have the difficult conversations, and maybe having people practice that, either with fake situations or real situations if, if they have them. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, what are you seeing in terms of the future of work? You know, what do you see continuing to shift as it relates to relationships and forums and peer groups moving into, you know, the rest of 2023 and beyond? Obviously, technology is going crazy. Um, the landscape of business is changing. Um, what's your take on on what we can expect in the future? You know, I'll start with the with the down note, and I think people are just still struggling right now from backlash from the pandemic and the mental health challenges that have crept up and increased. But aside from that, aside from that, there's much more uh, readiness, willingness, acceptance, understanding of the value of bringing your whole self to work, emotional intelligence vulnerability, connection, friendship, those things are at a far, far, far better place in the corporate workplace than they were 30 years ago when I started doing this work. So I think we're going in the right direction. I think companies are realizing the importance of having to focus on all that. And uh, I think I could just say, hooray, it's, it's, it's about time. Thanks for listening to Conversations at the Edge. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please share it with a friend or a teammate who you think would benefit from what we covered. In addition, you can find us on LinkedIn to get all of the updates, or if you'd like to hear the full conversation, just visit growthinstitute.com forward slash the edge to learn how you can become a member as well. Thanks again, and see you next time.